You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, sat with college friend and ultimate creative mind and just outgoing person, probably the most outgoing person that I know, uh, Beck Barkosi. Thanks for having me down. This is an awesome spot. Um, Do you want to tell them how you've met me? I probably don't remember. What did you ask? I probably don't remember. So we (laughs) met in college, Uh, you know, obviously me coming over from, from the UK and not knowing anybody over here. I was like a leader on Southern Nazarene campus and I didn't recognize that you had an accent. (laughs) You said, I said, so where are you from? And your accent still didn't really come through and you're like Wales. And I was like, where's that? Like I had no idea where Not the first person that said that. (laughs) Yeah. I had no idea it was across the ocean. That's for sure. Yeah. And I was like, is that in Oklahoma? (laughs) (laughs) That just shows you how much attention I paid in school. It's a very small country. Or our football coach geography teachers weren't that great but that too yeah um bethany high school shout out <laughs> <laughs> bethany school system uh if you're listening and you go to bethany schools i apologize i've never, <laughs> never been there i'm sure it's great um but yeah so we met you know we met snu and you always kind of had a super kind of creativity and just you know i've always wanted to i guess paint and do all that kind of stuff even when, you know when we first met you were always super creative and outgoing and with the dancing stuff as well. Like, you know, you just like dance everywhere. Um, like who's this random girl in the middle of a field on her own dancing, but you know, um, and everybody that's listening that knows you is probably laughing right now. Cause they know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Cause last night there was a benefit down at the myriad gardens mm-hmm. to benefit the homeless community yeah. here. And it turned into a major dance party on the myriad lawn. Yeah. And I was out there. Of course. It was great. Yeah. Uh, I, Taryn is the same way. Like my wife, Taryn, she dances literally anywhere. Like we're walking through Walmart and she'll dance. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, calm down. You're, you're being strange. But, uh, yeah, she's definitely the same way as you. She's just like, why do you do what you do? And it always cracks me up because I think of, uh, you know, she's going to be the same way and you're going to be the same way when you're 50 years old, mm-hmm. you know, and you can have a kids and then we can have grandkids and you can be like, my crazy aunt or my crazy mum, my crazy grand is just dancing. Yeah, I am the crazy in the middle of nowhere. Right yeah. So, um, but yeah, let's talk about, you know, you've since I met you, you were always, you know, very creative and designing everything that you could design, really. Mm-hmm. Did that like was that just come from a young age? Um, I guess for the most part. I mean, both my parents are creative in a sense of building homes and my mom can just make a garden grow from nothing and she painted as a child as well um her paintings are amazing like i i've yet to reach that skill level yeah um but growing up i just craved like to create whether that was with things found outside um i I remember building lampshades with my brother out of popsicle sticks like we built like a whole lamp out of popsicle sticks um, never did the electricity part of it, but <laughs> it was a lamp. Yeah. And those art boxes that you can get at Hobby Lobby and Michael's, I was constantly asking for that to be replenished. Like, mm-hmm. can I get that? Can I, or like Microsoft Paint. That was my favorite. I'd come home from school and I'd, we'd fight over the computer. Um, but just always creating, whether it was birthday cards or whatever, I just had to create. And I think it, it did start at a young age. I never thought that I would be here today as a full-time artist, like painting, because I initially went to school for graphic design. And I think that was more me wanting to find a visually appealing way of communicating to people. Um, So when I was at Southern Nazarene, I did communications for the student government. And that was getting people to events, but I wanted to pull them in with a design or Mm -hmm. a color palette. Um, Mm -hmm. I just think that's a really cool way to reach people and... There's also outside of the box ways to get information to people. And that was, I think, problem solving in that sense was something that I've always liked. Yeah. So dad, you know, like I said, mom's super creative, had the artist 
bug from a young age as well. Mm-hmm. And then your dad builds houses. Yeah. So you have like the both you know, crazy, you have the creative side of just go paint something. And then you have like your dad's like kind of structured view at things as well. Yeah, he's very, um, he, I'm usually in awe of him just with his way of like, it's like he can drop all the plans in his head and get to this, the solution right there. And I'm more of a hands-on person, but he's also very curious. Both of my parents are very curious. And so I get that from them as well. Yeah. Um, sometimes that comes in forms of like trespassing <laughs> and I'm just, I just want to know everything and I ask why all the time or how. Um, and I think that really feeds into the creative process and just understanding how things work. I find that like tying into my process now. Yeah. Yeah. The whole why thing it's people should ask why much, much more often. Mm-hmm. I think so. Cause it's, you know, if you've seen something like I, I'm kind of like, I always ask, well, why can't it be done a certain way else? Or why has it always been done this way? Right. Why can't it be done some other way? Right. Um, and I kind of look at things not in the creative sense because I can't draw or anything. I had an A once in art class and my art teacher loved me and I was like eight years old. She thought I was gonna be amazing. I was not. Um <laughs> You know, but like looking at why and why, why does it have to be done that way? It's always uh-huh. been done that way. Why can't it be different? It's definitely something that I see, you know, for, for, and a lot of the stuff that you do, it's extremely creative and you definitely have like a, um, you know, a, I guess your own style that comes through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely, well, I can I definitely see that. The question why, when we were younger, came off as more of like a way of disrespecting your elders. Yeah. Like I... I always asked why, but like a lot of times I remember getting reprimanded, like even by my teachers. Well, why are you asking? That's, that's so disrespectful. I'm like, no, I just really want to know why. Yeah. Generally curious, not like being a, you know, pain in the ass, just being Mm -hmm. like, well, why this, why that? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like the, are we there yet syndrome when you're a kid. But, uh, so do you think you're more like your mom or more like your dad? I used to get told I was more like my mom. And as I'm getting older, I see that I think I'm like a 49, 51. Perfect mix. It's like, it depends on the day too and the situation. Um, I think I am very similar to my mom in emotional sense and how we handle um, heartache and things that are bothering us or confrontation. Um, And then with my dad, I'm very similar to him in the sense of like, I'll fake it till I make it. Um, I'll tell people yes and I'll show up for it, but I honestly don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do, but I'll have you believing I do know. Yeah. Um, and my dad, he started his business from like nothing, started out with just handyman jobs and it just grew and he compiled all this knowledge into one thing. Now he has this amazing business that's provided for our entire family. So yeah. And builds custom homes all throughout yeah. Nichols Hill. And he's so and talented because he takes a lot of the style that he grew up around in the East coast, that colonial, um, very historic style and he brings it to Oklahoma city where these people really don't know anything about it, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't just do the, you build it homes. It's like, no, we're going to find like intentionality in the products we're choosing. I think that's, I definitely, I take that too from him. Yeah. Um, just being intentional with my work. So you, you graduated SNU, uh, and what, you know, like most people who graduate, I was the same way. You're like, what now? Like, what do we do now? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm still trying to learn how to do taxes. I'm like, I went to how many years of school and I don't even know how to do yeah. any part of my taxes. Um, graduated in 2013 and I remember walking across the field by Snowbarger and I was on the phone with my dad and I was like, yeah, I have an interview with an agency. I can't remember the name of them now, but I remember going to the interview and like, I thought they saw like something in me that they wanted to bring in, but then I was so afraid of structure or I don't know if it's like thinking you're going to disappoint with someone else's timeline or what, or if it's a pride thing, I haven't figured that out, but I couldn't do it. Like I just didn't go to the next interview because I was like, yeah, I just, I don't. So they offered you like a next interview stage. Yeah. And, and I just didn't no. want it. And yeah. I did that twice. Um, and I've just never been good with other people's structure. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to let people down in that sense or feel like I'm disrespecting them and their business. So I just did freelance out of college and kept myself afloat with that. And it was just here and there jobs. Um, and then I, that's when I was doing a lot of hand lettering on like wooden signs. Yeah. And that 
took off really well. A lot of people just swarmed to that. I think it was more, it was becoming a style and a trend. And so I jumped on it, but yeah. I was lacking purpose and intentionality. I was like, God, like, this is draining. Like this doesn't bring me joy. Um, so then I bartended and that didn't bring me joy either, but it brought me really good cash flow <laughs> and, cash. and I traveled the world with it. So, yeah. um, how was, yeah. how was traveling? Cause you were, I mean, you weren't just like, Hey, I'm just going to travel. You know, I'm going to this place and I'll come back. You were like, see you, mom and dad. I have my backpack. Yeah. I'm gone. We, um, me and my younger sister and my friend Demi, we were bartending at blue garden when they first opened and it was very lucrative. Like I remember one week and I took home like $1,200. I was like, how did that just happen? Yeah. So one night we were just like so antsy and Demi was like, guys, I found this deal on flights. Let's do them. So like, I think that night in the bar, we bought one way tickets to Europe and it was in December. And this, I think we were in August or September. So we like had all these months of looking forward to it. And we just bought backpacks big enough to pack a few outfits and um, got on that flight <laughs> and just knew we were landing in Vienna, but we didn't know where we were going from there. So we kind of just went off of our feelings and like things that sounded cool or people that told us in passing that we needed to see. And we're like, yeah, let's go there. Yeah. So I went to nine different countries. Um, I want to say I had like $4,000. Um, to last me that whole time. And I, it completely changed my outlook yeah. on humans and relationships and moments and how sacred like memories are. Um, but yeah, the world is a lot kinder than media makes it look. Well, and then you have the movie taken that's come out like right. around the time you were leaving. Right. And you're like, uh, Oh, so probably, yeah, they know. thought I got taken in Budapest. Yeah. That was a night. <laughs> Well, we have this this saying where it's like, I never want to Budapest myself again. Okay. A pretty <laughs> bad it, story? It's not even a bad story. I just don't know what happened. Like, I woke up on the wrong side of the river. Yeah. Like, it's divided by the Danube River. And I think our Airbnb was in Pesh. And we somehow made friends with this whole bar Christmas party full of men, Hungarian men. And they're, like, singing and dancing. And we walked by the window once. Cause we were like, let's go to the Irish tavern and it's the night before Christmas Eve. And we walk by it and it's like closed, but there's people in there partying and just like drinking and having dance parties and all that. And we're like, that looks fun. So we walk by again, but we all pretend to go down the stairs, like one in front of the other. So I lead and then we're, they thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Like they all lost it and they ran outside. They're like, Oh, we have no idea what they're saying. But they invite us in and they gave us like their free, um, liquor. It's like a famous, shot there and it's um palinka maybe it's terrible i think i took (laughs) one too many and then we just hopped from christmas party to christmas party and demi lost her bag along the way and so yeah i went to go retrieve it and i ended up not coming back and nothing bad happened right i just don't know how i like woke up in voodoo i should have been in fish but um i'm still friends with the people on facebook so yeah they were very great humans. How and long were you over there for? Three months. We just kind of wandered. Nine countries, three months. Yeah. So 19, yeah, 90 days. And we had people that we'd meet and they'd let us crash on their couch. And Yeah. Um, it was cool taking different, like, different stories from each person. And I, I doodled the whole time I was there, like a little travel journal. Um, but just hearing all these different stories of people's backgrounds and like their parents and all that and how they got to where they are and how we're just like sleeping on their couch for free. Yeah. Random, like three girls from across the, yeah. like from and we still around the world can keep in touch with all of them. Yeah. I don't know. I just love it. Do you have like a best moment, best memory from that trip? Um, it was all so good, but my sister and I went to Barcelona Um, and Demi stayed back in Amsterdam for a little bit, but we went to Barcelona and there was a day where we like went and saw all Antony Gotti's like structures, which are amazing. That's when I started second guessing myself. I was like, I need to be in architecture. Like I could, I could do buildings like Gaudi did. And we got to the highest point of Barcelona and you could just see all of it. And it was like a work of art. Yeah. And it was just, just the perspective was so cool. And to be there with my little sister was like, I don't know. Pretty special. I can't wait to have kids someday and just tell them all the things me and their aunt did. 
So was Susanna in college at the time? She had just, our flight left the day after she finished her final. (laughs) Great timing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think she walked in May. Yeah. Um, But yeah, she finished her final and then the next day we boarded a flight. Yeah. That's so cool. What did mom and dad think? I think they were both like proud of us because my parents did missions work in Germany. Um, and they're kind of both just free spirit wanderers, um, with structure, but my dad is very much an explorer and he always takes us into things that say like off limits or Mm -hmm. no trespassing. So that's like some of my fondest memories are like getting into places that we're not supposed to be in and making. Yeah. And your your curiosity kind of just one, you know, drives you around or just you know, Hey, where should we go? Oh, let's go here. And then you mm-hmm. basically do that for 90 days. As long as you have a place to stay, Yeah, you know, and some food. It was freezing. We did go in December Yeah, and it was bitter cold. Um, Susanna, we went to Auschwitz. She got frostbite on her pinky toe. Oh, geez. But even then it was like, that just gives us perspective of like what these How people went through and like, they weren't even wearing shoes and wool socks. They were wearing like cl- wooden clogs. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, it just really opened up our eyes. And mm-hmm. I think I've, I take a lot of that into my work in the terms of like understanding that everyone's background is so different and the way my art is being used to, I guess, bring healing to people too and bring a light into their house, into their life. Um, God's just been really working through that. It's really cool to see. Yeah, definitely. It hurts my head some days because I'm like, how did I get this lucky? <laughs> like, how how is this still happening? Yeah. Right? And I actually, June, June 9th, last year, I went full-time art. Um, I just kind of quit my jobs and was like, I'm in this. And I did it from my living room. And then a month later, I found this studio on Craigslist. And so I just hit the one-year mark of being a full-time artist. Yeah. How's that, how's that year been? It's really good. I'm not good with numbers. Yeah. So I can't tell you if I'm like super successful in that sense, but I'm staying above the water and I'm smiling every day and I'm meeting a lot of people and getting to do what I love. So I think that's pretty successful. Which as a creative, that's like the most important thing, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Like as long as the bills are paid and I'm happy. Right. And I think my, my dad struggled to see that, um, He's like, what are you going to do with your life? Like, what's your plan? And I was always kind of just like, I'm going to surprise you. I don't know, because I don't even know myself. Yeah. Um, and I didn't expect it to be painting full time. So that really caught me off guard. But um, it was a purpose that I didn't pick for myself. And I've kind of just stepped into it and been obedient. And doors keep opening. And I'm always provided for. Like, yeah. I've never gone without. And that's more than a lot of people, especially the community my studio is set in. I'm starting about a lot of homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, a block south of here is the Homeless Alliance. And so you see a lot of those people walking past that don't have anything or when we get those torrential downpours, all their stuff is washed away. Yeah. Um, I have a friend in a van down the street, Elaine. She's sweet. But I really love being plugged into this community and getting to know the people that fail to be seen often. Yeah, definitely. Because like you said, it's and same way when you went to Europe, it's people are much better than, than the mm-hmm. media portrays them to be. Yeah. And if you just take the time to get to know them, like anyone else walking past a lady sleeping in a van would have just been like, that's kind of strange. I'm, you know, they're all scared, right? Mm-hmm. When they walk past. But, you know, you, you meet this person, you get talking to her, she has a story, she's actually really sweet. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure she like the highlight of her day is seeing you and Rue walking around. Right. You know? And I feel so bad because I've been busy the past weekend and yeah. this whole week, actually. I haven't had much time to go by there. And anytime I go like a day or two without seeing her, she's like, I thought I scared you off with something I said. So she's very like. She's insecure. Insecure about that. Yeah. Um, and that hurts to hear because I'm like, nothing you say is going to scare me off. Like we're yeah. all different and we all have different things to say. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Creative life has just been amazing. Yeah, it's definitely like this spot is really cool. You know, just to walk in and see everything. Like, like I said, you've got everything going on here. Your artwork's all over the, you know, all over the walls and you've got projects going on. What was like, what were you like when you like, you know, I'm going to go full time one for, you know, just dive in? Were well, even, like, it was kind of a process because I started with Whole30 in January 2018 because I was just tired of feeling like bogged down. Um, 
and I started eating everything raw like they tell you to. Mm-hmm. And I did that for four months actually. And I got to a point where I realized everything I was putting in my body was not touched by man. Like it didn't have that chemical. It didn't have preservative, any of that. And so I really started to lean on God in that time and was like, okay, if all of this is coming from you, then like you're all I need to be sustained. Like, that you're all I need. And I just really got back to the root of my faith. And I started training for the half marathon and I was running out of like anger and angst and like men in my past that have burned me or like broken my heart and just people that have let me down in my life and taken advantage and all that. So I was running out of bitterness and everything and I'd get home and I'd still just, I wouldn't feel any better. The endorphins wouldn't do anything. And so I was like, this is all waste. And I remember praying that, God would just remove anyone like those people from my path and just really put me in my purpose Mm -hmm. um, and give me something bigger. And I kept running and I changed my playlist and I really only ran to worship, which was like mind blowing because who wants to run to worship most of the time? Um, And those runs, he just started showing me things and showing me my worth and my purpose and my why. And then I got injured because I was like, I'm going to train for a full marathon, but in the half marathon training time. Yeah. And I got really bad shin splints and could barely walk. And so in those two weeks where I was kind of just resting, I remember I feel, I I was feeling stagnant and God was like, you're not stagnant. You're still like, just rest in me and paint what you're feeling when you run. And so that's how my joy series came about. Okay. I started painting and I hadn't painted in like four or five months. Yeah. So Susanna came home and was like, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, like, I'm painting. Yeah. Um, and so then it kind of built up to me letting go of my job at plant shop and then letting go of my part-time job at the spa I was working at. And June 9th was my last day at the, or June 8th was my last day at the spa. Mm-hmm. And so June 9th was my first day of being full-time. And I just painted from my living room yeah. and posted on Instagram. But God had asked me to be so transparent in it and my struggles. And every time I would come back from a long run, I would do a live video yeah. and tell people what I was dealing with or what my heart was heavy with. And people were like coming to me saying, Hey, can we get coffee? Hey, I want to talk about this. I had no idea you struggled with that. And so they found this relatability in my healing process. And because I was so transparent with it, that it built this community that also tied into my artwork. And so a lot of my friends that I've made in the past year and a half or so were all because of that vulnerability I gave through my training process. And then it overflowed into me getting this space and creating more works because each piece I do starts with like me writing something that's on my heart on that first layer and manipulating the paint around it. Okay. So if it's something heavy that's on my heart and I ride it out or it's like a prayer or something my friend's facing, I'll put it all on that first layer. And then I pick the colors in terms of wanting to paint through, like I'll paint over negative words and then I'll circle words that hold positive connotation. So usually I'll do like a bright yellow underneath around a word that's like city or community or um, kind of bring that to the front. And then that just sets the vibe for that piece. Yeah. So that there's a piece up front and it's like my mission statement. Um, and it just talks about being like expectant for what's coming to our city. Um, and meaning like community and loving one another and really just pulling people out of the shadows that have been overlooked for so long. Yeah. That's a really cool process. Yeah. Do you know of anyone else that uses the same process? Not in my like day to day, I've come across some Instagram users that have similar processes, but I don't know them personally Yeah. or it's someone like, Hey, you should check out this person's work. It reminds me of yours. And I'm like, Oh wow. Yeah. And then I follow them on Instagram. Yeah. That's, it's really cool. Like just to see, I mean, to know that now, now every time I look at a piece and I'm like, okay, that like, that makes a lot lot more sense. Mm Mm-hmm. So if like, it's a really kind of like, cause most of your pieces are really colorful and yellow and bright colors, right? Mm-hmm. Yellow and pinks and blues and stuff. But if it's a really kind of darker color, then some pretty char- pretty harsh words underneath, right. I guess, well, right? Well, and I started, I started writing when I started running again. Um, 
so a year ago or so I started writing and it came in like form of poetry and I'd never written like that before so it was very new to me but I started calling them Beck Feels so I have that hashtag Beck Feels and it's when something's on my heart I just write it out and then that sometimes is that first layer on a painting and so I did one um, and I titled it Listen and it's somewhere on one of my notes in my phone but I'll put that as the caption and the hearts resonate with different pieces depending on what they're going through and like I'll have a woman be like I need that in my house because that's something I just went through yeah um so it's been really cool to connect with people on like that level and it's cool to see their vulnerability mm-hmm. and it's all through that tiny little app <laughs> yeah Has, is that kind of how you've made the connections to you know to like the coffee shops and the other places that have like had your work on the walls for it's all instagram yeah. i never it's never really facebook um i get some people from my past and like friends of my parents and stuff that will message me on facebook but all of my business has been done through instagram um people just sharing my stuff or somehow finding me and it's cool because it's free yeah um and you have like your own personal page but you also have the product yeah i have the one for my art and then i have the one for the studio which i've been lacking on the studio one but i'm kind of in the I'm going a different direction with it, but I wanted it to be more of like a venue event space eventually. Yeah. That's why I set up that separate Instagram. Yeah. But it hasn't gotten to that point yet. Um, and I changed the name. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, well, and you've done classes and stuff, right? Yeah. I do some workshops. I want to schedule one for July since the AC unit has been revamped. Um, and it'll be cool enough for yeah. women to just be in here actively painting. But those workshops are really cool. I initially called them a forethought gatherings and a forethought being like, intentional but with community um Mm -hmm. and sharing your feelings and so it's almost art therapy the women show up and I kind of walk them through my process of whatever's weighing on your heart like write that out whatever you don't want a part of your life anymore paint over it yeah like just get rid of it and so it's really cool to see the transformation of these women that come in and then when they leave they're like it's like they took a big breath yeah huge weight lifted off Mm -hmm. their shoulders and like a cleanse type Mm -hmm. moment so that's, and then it really makes me happy because they'll send me pieces that they've done like on a weekend with their friends. They're like, Hey, we did your process at home. And yeah. they send me pictures of all their art. And I'm like, that is so cool. Yeah. Like, like people again. don't understand the power of art and like how it relates to healing. Um, and just helping your mind find some soundness. Yeah. What was it like when you decided that, Hey, I'm going to put on this event and you know, have people come by and hope that people sign up. And like, how, how was that whole? It was kind of scary um, just because I'd never hosted people before and I'd never let anyone see my process. Um, but I was like, man, if it helps me this much, like there's other people that need it. And I have a big support system and my boyfriend, he's like, whatever you need for those workshops, I'll bring it. Like I'll do a cheese board. I'll do this. I'll do that. And so the first few, he was like very hands-on setting everything up for me and he loves to host. So he's like all that end of everything. And I'm like, I'll just get the easels and stuff ready. Um, but I like to be very intentional with it. And as I set up each woman's easel, I would pray over their canvas. Um, and just not that anyone that comes in here has to be religious or, have that faith background or anything. It's just, that's how I want to do things on my end. And so I'm going to pray over your canvas before you touch it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that might like, even if they're not like spiritual in any way, that might lead to them Mm -hmm. just being open to that. And and I like my, my kind of experience with the, you know, kind of coming into a space that's, you know, like when I came here to SNU, you know, I've been thrown into the deep end of a private Christian school with, (laughs) <laughs> no prior, you know, religious background at all. And it's just kind of like thrown on you. Right. And uh-huh. I think a lot of people who don't, who aren't like the atheists, or they just don't know, right. See the bad side of things. Right. And, you know, they see like all the other denominations that are just like bonkers, crazy, you know, mm-hmm. like live by the law and that's it. 
and it kind of pushes people away. Right. But then if you come in and you're like, just do it because that's just who you are. That's how it is. It's normal. It feels natural. It comes across as natural. And then like, oh, you're actually a normal person. You're not like someone who's trying to throw a Bible at me and have me live this Mm -hmm. certain life, you know? Well, my biggest thing since starting to paint full time is like relationship over religion. Yeah. Because, I mean, I just want to be side by side with people that are hurting and be there to be able to lift them up. Um, And right now I'm being able to do that with painting and offering a safe space for people to come. Um, but definitely relationship over religion, just because religion has so many rules. Relationships really just have love. So yeah, it goes back to your dad taking you to places you shouldn't be going. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, trespassing. Yeah, so he's probably gonna be like, Rebecca, why are you telling the whole world this? <laughs> it's like, hey, you're telling everybody my secrets. Um, where does the whole like, um, you know, like you have a couple of different phrases that you're very known by and it's flossy, mm-hmm. right? Be flossy. And stay then flossy. Stay flossy and be kind. Yes. Right? Tell me a little bit about those. Where did they come about? What kind of time in your life did those kind of, you know, two words or four words come into, you know, in, into life? So the be kind, um, I started painting when I was doing lettering. Um, it was more of like a, it was after Europe. I got back and I didn't know what I was going to be doing, so I was still doing hand-lettered signs and selling them at pop-ups and stuff like that. Um, and I would just put short phrases on them. But for some reason, people really resonated with the be kind ones just because it's such a simple line. But it's so, if you take it to heart, it's so powerful. It can change someone's entire life. Like my friend Elaine, who lives in the van. I just aim to be kind to her and help her feel seen. And... I have seen a new light come out of her when I see her now. She's not looking down at the ground. She's looking into my eyes. So it's just kindness is so powerful, especially in a world where people seem to fixate on the negative stories and highlight what's, which it's good to be aware of all that. But Facebook, that's why I can't stay on there often is because it's so negative and it's just people trolling comments and trying to start arguments. I'm like, can we just be kind? So it's just... It's like a childish saying almost, but for me, I want to remain childlike because I think that's before rules and differences like divided people. Mm. Um, and I want to be aware of differences in people, but I don't want it to be a reason why I'm not kind to someone. You never know anyone's full story until you're kind enough to talk to them. Um, and then the stay flossy, I think, I don't even know when that first came about with me. I just started saying it and I want to say I more so clung to it when I was going through that transformation of my heart um, through that marathon training and people ask me what it means and to me it's just being the best version of you um, and like who you were created to be like be flossy own who you are own your weird quirks own everything about yourself because I don't have a creator that made a mistake with me. He made me exactly the way I am because he's wanting to use everything about me to love someone else. And I just think everyone's flossy in their own way. Yeah. And no one was made by mistake. No, no part of their personality is by mistake. Um, a lot of the time growing up and even in dating relationships, I was told I was too much, um, like to tone it down or (laughs) I struggled to make friends at SNU. Honestly, I actually only left there with like one friend that I could reach out to. Um, everyone kind of just jumped ship after we graduated. Everyone like gets married and jumps ship and like lives their own life. Yeah. I don't know. They all disappeared, but, um, I I was looking at this wood grain on the table and got distracted. (laughs) (laughs) There's the outside Uh, coming out. (laughs) What was I saying? About flossy, like just just everybody, you know, just kind of having their own way and, you know, just living their own life and being too much. So I remember complaining to my sister, my older sister, and I was like, I cannot make friends asking you, like there's already groups, like none of the girls will include. It was just such a struggle and it really hurt. Yeah. 
because I'm very friendly and I will support you to the ends of the earth Mm -hmm. and I'll cheer you on and I'll try to make you laugh. And I still couldn't make friends and I was just in this dark place. And she goes, I think you just need to like tone it down a bit. I think you're too confident. Like girls don't like confidence in other girls. And I was like, what? Like that was bizarre to me. Yeah. And I couldn't do it. So instead I just like stayed with my one friend and, um, now I, I never feel too much. Right. And now you probably like, you know, those people, you know, either look up to you or I don't know, they just like, I, I do. I definitely look up to you in a way that, you know, like you're very open and you just don't care what people think of you. You're just the most happiest person I, you know, that I know. And it's just like, it's hilarious like to see it. And every time I see it, I'm like, you know, like there's nothing that get. I mean, I'm sure there's stuff that gets you down, but you know, you're very open. You come across, you know, just happy right mm-hmm. and okay who you know that might be too much for some people but it's too much because they probably just can't they, they they don't like the fact that they're not like you mm-hmm. right which they end up making them resent you well and i also try to be very transparent like my struggles with my dark days i call yeah. them my dark days but i guess most would say like depression right. um days where i couldn't get off the floor yeah of my apartment because i just didn't i didn't want to be there i didn't want to have breath in my lungs yeah if I'm being honest um and there were I mean I still get into these stoops where I'm like I'm not I'm not good enough I'm not no one's gonna buy my art and that's such a lie because people are like on Instagram saying hey how can I purchase this but like somehow these thoughts get into my head and my headspace gets so messed up um and it's just the world lying to me and the enemy trying to get in there and destroy everything good and I've gone from saying like like you say I'm happy but I've taken on more of a joyful because I feel like happy is circumstantial yeah um and I want to be joyful I want to remain joyful and like cling to that light Mm -hmm. um even on a dark day and that's I actually renamed my studio the pink lines studio and I want my artwork to be the pink lines in someone's day where the sun's setting and that starts to like kiss the clouds and they all turn a little bit of pink. And that part of the day is my favorite because it just lifts everything off of me and it makes me feel so, so much lighter. And it's like the bookends to my day where like I wake up with this beautiful sun and I go to bed with these pink line skies and it's God just saying like, dude, I got you. Like, just get through the night, sleep, rest in me. I'll get to you in the morning. And I want my art to be that for people. And I want my space to offer that to people. Yeah, definitely. So, pink lines is like my new thing. Yeah. Flossy pink lines. Flossy pink lines. <laughs> and I, I see that, like, you know, what you mentioned before about your artwork being that for someone. You know, I know we spoke previously. There's a piece in, in the studio that, you know, someone asked you to do for them because they'd come out of a breakup or whatever it is and now they have this piece to move into a new spot you know when they Mm -hmm. move into the new house they hang this on the wall and it's just like it it lifts them up and it's kind of like what I mean like I think of it in a way that like when I walk when I get into the house and I see the dogs you just like you know my two dogs are just like that's you know it's just like everything's perfect now right you're Mm -hmm. happy you don't have to worry about anything else like the dogs are just they don't care what's happened in that day right they just love you and I see that kind of the same resemblance in walking into a house and then seeing that painting as a reminder and just being like, oh, like, you know, new life. This is great. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what's happened today because now I'm home and hanging out and everything's flossy. And you're loved, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, I just, I never realized that there was that much power in artwork until I started posting it for sale and people would, they want to meet with me yeah. to like, tell me how it relates to their heart and that's probably been like the best part of doing the work that I do Mm -hmm. and so if Justin ever like texts me or calls me I'm like oh I'm going to meet with so and so and he's like who are they I was like you know I don't know we're just Instagram friends and he's like of course yeah um do you take like you know when when they tell you how it feels do you take that as inspiration and kind of just or jot notes down and then go paint something yeah a lot of times I write poems yeah um or one of my favorite things to do is just go and sit at coffee shops around here and I write poems about the people sitting there and um I was at Honey Bunny a few months back and I wrote one about 
this group of people that were sitting at a picnic table outside. And the only thing dividing us was this glass window. And so I wrote about transparent matter and like, what would they do if I asked what was the matter? Would they actually tell me or would they try to conceal it? And, um, it was just like this poem about if we could all just like understand that everything we're feeling and our, like our emotions being valid, that the world would be a better place. And the poem that finally came from that was if we'd all recognize that our emotions are valid, we could cry outside and water the flowers. And I had a whole series come out of that and it was these abstract florals, but like some of them are still hanging up front. Some of them are sold. And it's just about like life being a garden. But if we would be open and vulnerable with one another, we could grow from the heartache and the trials that we faced. And instead of crying into our pillowcase at night. Yeah. And just getting a nasty, damp pillowcase. (laughs) (laughs) We'd have a garden. Yeah. So I see things very differently from most people. Um, And just like how my words connect to like my day to day and then my art and my paint. It's just... Sometimes it hurts my head, especially trying to explain it to people, but it's been really cool to see how people grab my perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's all related. Yeah. Yeah, that's what makes it easy to it just Eventually, kind of I mean, it might be a little wordsy with my back feels, but <laughs> it eventually gets back to the point. Yeah. She's being so passive-aggressive. Rue. Yeah. Rue is under the table. She doesn't She's like... She's like huffing and puffing. She doesn't like this. She's my passive-aggressive human yeah. dog. How old is Rue? When did you get her? She'll be four in November. Yeah. I got her from Country Roads Animal Rescue, and she was six months old when I got her. But I met her when she was four months old. Then I never saw her any more adoption fairs. And so I was like, guess she got adopted. And her name was Kira at the time. And so I'm like, where's Kira? Where's Kira? And then I was doing a pop-up for Plant Shop at Powerhouse, the bar down in the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. And Susanna came over. She's like, is that Kira? And I was like, no way. And she's like, no, I think it is. And her adoption fee was like $300 or something. I was like, I just don't have that on me right now. And I was shutting down the shop and Jen, the owner of Plant Shop, pulls up and she paid me $300 cash that day. I don't know. Well, I think it was like... But that's what she owed you, but like it wasn't That's what she owed me, but I didn't even recognize that that's what she owed me. Yeah. And she literally hands me $300 cash and I look over at the dog like pen and I was like, (laughs) guess I'm getting a dog. Yeah. (laughs) And she's like the kind of dog you can pick her up and she hugs you. Like her... She'll, she'll wrap around your neck and just like lay on your shoulder um, she's very smart and she's never had an accident inside so yeah. I guess I'll keep her I don't really like dogs that much but I somehow got one have you done any like inspirational pieces from Rue? moments with Rue nah not yet <laughs> no. no I post like pictures around my story and show her personality but People, that's one thing. Everyone that comes up here, like, she's much smaller in person, and they love her. Yeah. They come up here for Rue, I think, because she's just, anytime on my story, she's, like, throwing a fit and just, like, rolling her eyes at me. She's a diva. She's definitely got yeah. a personality to it. I don't know where it came from. Yeah. What, uh, what's next? What, what, like, what's plans? You know, and it's probably a really tough question because it, it seems like just talking to you, everything's just, like, I just react to how things happen and, like, mm-hmm. I have a kind of a flow and just see how yeah, it goes. I'm, I'm a butterfly. Yeah. That's why I say J- Justin's like, you're my butterfly. Yeah. But I just kind of go with the wind and um, that stresses so many people out. <laughs> like, I'm in this group for women um, at the treasury and there's a lot of structure in all their personalities and then yeah. I'm, like, sitting on the floor telling them, like, <laughs> yeah, I paint and then I hammock and then I go outside and get on my roof and yeah. they're like, what? I live <laughs> but in the studio they're, and all that They're also stuff. like, I want to come over and hammock in your studio. Right. Like, they want, they want to do what I'm doing but then I'm over here wanting to know how to do my taxes. Right. And so it's going to be a really great group but I think my next step is figuring out, like, numbers the more business side of things, um, being structured in that sense, just so I know that I'm doing everything as best I can. And aside from business, I really want to, I want to do more murals. Um, and I had applied for one that I was hoping I would get because it was so close to my studio Yeah. and it didn't happen. There's a lot of great muralists in Oklahoma city and it's hard to get into that whenever I don't have much experience. Right. Um, they're like, can you paint that large scale? And I'm like, give me the wall and I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to do more murals and I want to get 
more product, like whether that's mugs or shirts mm-hmm. or like prints people yeah. can put their hands on. Yeah. I want to have a place for people to come up here and be able to shop like smaller items because mm-hmm. I know investing in a big piece of art isn't everyone's thing right now. Right. Um, well, and then they've got to have a place to put it too. You yeah. Know? And you got to be at that point in your life where like you're ready to collect. Yeah. Um, but I think just being more creative in terms of product and I want to offer fabric and um, wallpaper, all that stuff. Yeah. Talk about product. The t-shirt that you have out there is like, was that kind of what you got you started? That is actually probably where I started. I was going to say, because that, that design's probably been here as long as I've been in the States. Yeah, I designed it in 2012. Yeah. Um, I was student government at SNU, and we were going to Canada to do, like, a conference with mm-hmm. all the other student governments of each Nazarene university. And there's, like, this low-key competition and who can have the best shirt. And they're like, Becca, design a shirt for us to wear. And I was like, oh, I already have an idea. We're good. And so I designed it, and it was originally on seafoam green T-shirts because that's my jam. And when we got back to campus from Canada, students everywhere were like, "Wait, well, I want one of those. How did you? How do you guys have those? And we don't. Like, can we get that?" Yeah. And so then I took it and got rid of the seafoam and made it more unisex and did American Apparel because that was everyone's jam then. And I've sold right under 800 of them. Wow. Just on my, like from the trunk of my car in my dorm room. Um, and it's been, how many years is that? Seven? Yeah. Seven years. And I've only done three or four runs of them and it's all pre-ordered. It was never like out of my pocket because I just, I can't. Best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. People fall through and then I'm like, I'm stuck with all these t-shirts, but, um, right under 800 and I posted it the other day because I found one like in all this storage that I have yeah and I was like what is this doing here so I sold it and then I had people like fussing in my inbox saying like well when are you going to do more when are you going to do kid sizes can you do onesies can you do this and looks like I might have to do some more but I kind of want to do one a different color yeah and I just don't know what color that should be that would be a cool way to just kind of keep the numbers limited to that color yeah and then you can track like what year and I have people that message me and they're like, I still have mine from the first one in 2012. Yeah. Like it has holes in it now, but it has more of that vintage feel to it. So people have really just, I mean, they've been, one girl said, I need another one. Someone stole mine years ago. So I'm like, cool. They're getting Stamp. stolen. All yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or I knew a friend that went through a breakup mm-hmm. and her boyfriend had it and she always wore it. But when they broke up, she stole it because she was like, no, like no, I want it. I want it. It's mine. So have you trademarked the logo yet? My initials are in it. Yeah. On the peace pipe part. Um, and that's about it, but it's like RB and the R is backwards. So it's not really my aesthetic, but no, I haven't really, it was, that was at the beginning of like the Oklahoma, like, right. The the pride in our, yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. Like no one really cared to be from Oklahoma. Right. And then around 2012, everyone was like, yeah, and then Blue Seven started, like, doing more local things. Yeah. Um, which right around kind of the Thunder making the playoffs kind of yeah, sparked all it that. It got too. real big, and that's yeah. when I sold a lot of them too. Was people wanted to wear them to the games. Yeah. Um, and I tried to like throw them at Kevin Durant and all of them when they would get <laughs> off the airplane. I'm like, here's a four hundred five shirt, and Blake Griffin wears his. Yeah. I don't understand. Back to throwing them at. I, I don't understand. I never understood why people go to the airport. Just to show support. It I was know, really I cool. I know, but like, uh, I just, like, that was the first time I'd ever. I don't know if anyone else does this in any other state or really? any other country. Like, that's the first time I was like, it's three in the morning. What are you doing? Like, oh, yeah, it's just we weird. were there all the time. Yeah. To me, it's just kind of odd. But. I think it's just because we knew, like, they went through four quarters of either winning or trying to win yeah. and they're probably exhausted but then they have to fly home on this flight and then yeah. they've got to get home and get to bed so we're like let's cheer them on in that and I think that's just Oklahoma yeah definitely we're very supportive of each other <laughs> for the most part there's some yeah some people who aren't but I love this city yeah I do too um, I mean one of the reasons I started this whole well podcast I think that's so cool that you're from like, Wales and yeah. you're like this is Oklahoma. Yeah, it's 
it's been fun. And it's kind of like what you kind of said, you, you know, kind of f- not fallen into it, but it was just something that just naturally happened. You know, now you've gone full time with art. I haven't gone full time doing podcasting yet. It's coming. Uh, I would love that to happen. Um, I see your stuff every, like. But it's just something that's falling, you know, it's just happened, yeah. you know? I mean, I see this is Oklahoma everywhere because all my, I'm friends with so many different people in different networks and you're interviewing so many different people. Yeah. And so many different businesses, all that. And I'm like, there goes Mike. Like, he's not <laughs> even from here, but he loves it. <laughs> but yeah. I think that's cool is you have that outside perspective. Right. And not being from here. And like, I'm born and raised in Oklahoma City. So some days I'm like, oh my gosh, this place sucks. Yeah. I need to go to Asheville. And I need to go to Haiti or I need to get out. Of, I just need to go. Right. Well, and, so go back to Haiti. Haiti was a huge part of your life. Right? Yeah. How was um, that? When, when did you go there? Because I know you did a lot of work down there and. I want to say, like, we spoke last year or the year before, and you were like, I'm going back. Yeah, I was supposed to be, like, moving there. I was going to do um, art therapy with some girls who have been trafficked um, in a home that had just opened. Um, And there's this thing I had heard from a sermon that was like, you can be called to something, but doesn't mean you're graced for it. And Haiti actually had a big part of me having that confidence to quit my job and do full-time art because I was going to do full-time art until I went to Haiti and then still do it from Haiti, but just as much as I could. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was right at the end of the marathon where I got this yes to go to Haiti and I was set to go. I was going to go in August and in June, um, a guy that's been my friend for three years He's always like, when are you going to let me take you on a date? And I just yeah. would laugh at him because I couldn't take him seriously. But I think it was my heart wasn't ready. Yeah. Um, and that marathon really just like transformed my heart and renewed a lot in me. And Justin has always championed for me. He would call me to ask about Haiti the past four years that he knew me. He would just call me randomly and be like, hey, what are your plans with Haiti? What are, what's this? And he made me dinner in June of last year. Yeah. And I think like a month or two into it I told him I was like my heart doesn't feel okay going to Haiti and he's like then stay here and I prayed about it I cried about it I I think a lot of it was pride too because you say you're going to do something and then you're yeah, fickle yeah. And, um, but it's I'm still able to support Haiti from here and maybe in a few years we can go and do it together or um, his family actually has Haitian blood and so He's got family in Port-au-Prince and he's originally from New Orleans. So he cooks like that Creole inspired food and that's good enough for me right now. But, (laughs) um, I, I still have a huge heart for Haiti. I'm actually, my next series is going to be my perspective of Haiti, Mm -hmm. um, and how I see the people there and the details of Haiti. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly how it'll come out on the canvas, but I see it in my head. And I have a friend who wants to hang it in their coffee shop. Um, it's, have you heard of Higher Grounds? Yeah. In War Acres. Mm-hmm. So they're very tied into Haiti and they have a mission with that. And they even adopted from Haiti, but their heart's very much there. And she has messaged, she's like, when's your series going to be ready? When's it going to be ready? And that's a lot of pressure, but um, I'm excited to... I think it's going to display in their coffee shop just because their heart's in that same spot. Um, so that'll be hopefully my next series. Right now I'm just busy with commissions. Yeah, which is a great problem to have. I know. Everyone always says that, and I'm like, you know, I never sit back and really, like, look at it that way. Um, but, yeah, I'm super grateful because I haven't – my workshops had initially been, like, paying my full rent and everything. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I got busy with commissions and God's like, don't worry, I'm going to provide. Yeah. He's like, it's this saying where he's like, he funds, he funds his missions. Mm -hmm. I think when I'm stepping into my purpose, that's from him. Like he's always going to take care of it. Tell me about the talk you gave at creative mornings. That was fun. How was that? Like to get up in front of all those people and talk about like, you know, something it that was you're hard because you're I'm, about. I'm very spiritual and like, I want to share with everyone what God's done in my heart, but I also don't want to like intimidate people or push people away. So I had to go into it with like, a. I didn't want to tread lightly cause I'm, I very much own my, my faith, but I didn't want to 
turn anyone off or like upset people. And so the night before I was like rehearsing it up here and I was like, okay, God, like this is your stage. I'm just stepping onto it. So use me how you need me. And I kind of just told my story where I was from, how I got here, um, what my day to day looks like. And I talked a lot about transparency. My topic was water. So I related that to transparency and grace and taking time to rest. Um, water's transparent. So it's a reminder to remain transparent in your intentions with business life and home life and, um, grace. Anytime I give myself grace and I go on like a nature walk, the water that I see isn't complacent. It's always moving. It's got a current to it. So it's just a reminder to like stay moving forward, but give yourself grace, um, and allowance. And I don't know, it was really cool whenever I got asked to speak on that. Yeah. She said, would you want to speak on water? And she initially asked because she, I use water often in my work, right. my spray bottle. And I've even posted about that, how it represents grace to me in my work. Cause I can make too harsh of a line, but if I get the water bottle out, I can manipulate it into something with intent. Um, and I think grace is just really important, whether you're spiritual or not. Yeah. That goes back to being kind. It's, I'm glad you you finally got called up to do that because like I, I know you had, I pushed you and like we both like ran I I for some reason was like I could do this I, could, I think I, a few I months before it. you had said like yeah. they're doing audience takes the stage you should apply yeah. so I did and I got turned down yeah we both did yeah because I applied too for some reason and I like I hate public speaking so it yeah. would have been an absolute disaster I don't think I'm very good at it but apparently yeah. it turned out um, I. Applied for it and I got turned on. I was like, whatever. But then I got asked to do it like a few months later and it was the timing couldn't have been more perfect because Mm -hmm. I had just gone through like so much transformation and I'd settled into my studio here and my new workflow. Um, So I was able to give insight of like what it's like to be a young business owner and just starting out and all that. Um, It's very interesting. The older people who have taken a lesson from me and giving themselves grace yeah in their work um it was really cool to meet people after this talk and I walked out into the creative mornings talk like with my favorite worship song and it's won't he do it he said he would (laughs) and someone started singing it with me and I was like yes you know the song and after that I got asked um if I would speak to high schoolers if I ever thought about like coming and doing a speak like a speech at a high school and I don't know I I I kind of laughed when he asked me yeah but now I'm like no I really want to do it like I'm ready to talk to the masses yeah <laughs> so I remember speech class in college I I could go on but I didn't make sense like I could talk but yeah. it didn't have like a structure um and I got graded on that but with me talking at creative mornings it was they just wanted to see my heart mm-hmm and I'm about it's that. much more natural. Yeah. So I got asked to speak at a church camp um, this past year. So kind of told my my story to a bunch of middle schoolers and high schoolers, which yeah. was very intimidating because you're like, are you guys even listening? Like their faces are just stunned. Head out of your phone. Yeah. 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 But it turned out really well. And I, a lot of the younger girls resonated with it. And I met the sweetest boy who'd been through a lot. Both of his parents have... Um, died early and so he's kind of just floating around and he broke down and like yeah. cried to me but he we also like joined each other and painted a big piece together and he got to take that home Yeah, and it's like hanging in his room is what his like youth pastor told me and that that's why I do it right because you know you can put together this piece that's tangible and they can either take it home or you can say like it's going somewhere you know mm-hmm. you you can do something with that moment right not just be like hey we just had this moment and what i had done school. was i i set up the canvas in front of all the students and during the worship session i said i want you guys to feel free to come up here and paint whatever's hurting your heart um whatever has broken you or whatever is just really weighing you down right now and just leave it on the canvas so all these students come up and they left something on the canvas and then the next worship song i painted over words and around words and yeah it became this like piece and I remember posting out my story and everyone's like can I buy that yeah and then this little boy came up crying to me afterwards he's like can I paint with you 
and we painted it and squirted a ton of water. I was like, that's grace. Give it more grace. Give it more grace. And he's spraying me with the bottle, but it was so emotional for him. That was one of my highlights as an artist is just connecting with this little boy who normally boys that age are going to be punks. And like, Oh yeah. They're not going to open up to you like that either. And he just broke down. I was like, you just needed someone to see you like and hear you. So I want to do more with kids. Um, before they get to that older age of like hardening and putting walls up completely mm-hmm. because then it's a lot more work but I'm working with I forgot the name of the camp some camp in July and we're going to be doing some painting workshops with kids who have been um, traumatized with yeah. either like deaths in the family or um, abuse or whatever so it could be very I think a lot of it focuses on loss so I've never dealt with loss. I've never yeah. lost like a family member. I've lost my good friend from high school, like my, someone I grew up with. Yeah. Um, but directly in my family, I never have. And so it'll be really eye opening and yeah. humbling for me. I'm the same in that way. I haven't, like I said, we, I haven't gone through that yet. Mm-hmm. And I think about it a lot. Yeah. I struggle with it a little bit. Cause being so far away as well, it's like the yeah. one thing that like rocks me. It's like, shit if that happens like I mean first thing I'm going home straight away yeah but again like you know and I, I struggle a little bit with it kind of thinking you know with like how, about not spending enough time with people right like yeah you know and, and, all, and naturally you just think of grandparents because they're the oldest but like you know anyone like my parents like my brother or whatever it is like you always think about it after mm-hmm. if something has happened and someone's passed or you've lost someone you, well, always, you always worry about after not like you know, proactively doing right. something about the it. now. Yeah. Well, I'm one of eight kids. Yeah. And we are all in the Oklahoma City Metro. Like, no one's moved away. So we have family nights. Um, we have Papa's Grill every Thursday night where we all get together for food. Um, we go to my mom's house for Sunday lunch. We have, like, a birthday or two every month because yeah. there's so many of us. <laughs> so we're always together. Like, on Sundays, we're like, let's go swimming. And yeah. we just raid the neighborhood pool. <laughs> um, but... I'm very fortunate to have the family that I do and for everyone to be close by because we're all just making a mess together. Like we never go a week without seeing each other. That's really special. Yeah. Especially with, I mean, both my parents, they're divorced and to still have that dynamic is really cool. A lot of people don't get that. But my, both my parents are actively like trying to spend time with everyone. Yeah. So, Special. Really cool. Definitely. What, um, how can people listening reach out? How can they, you know, I mean, if they want to reach out and have coffee and just talk about life or if they want to buy product, how, you know, how, how does that go about? The best way, um, is usually Instagram. Um, my product account, which is P R A W D U C T. And that's, I just want to be raw in the yeah. products that I offer. Um, but just slide into my DMs, hit me up. Um, I have a lot of people that want to meet for coffee and hear my story and let me hear theirs. And sometimes I feel that guilt of like not being able to, I mean, cause you have, to, I also have to protect like my, my peace and my creative energy. Oh yeah. And so if I feel overloaded one week, I think that's why I've said no to you so many times. Yeah. Like I've straight up told you, I'm like, dude, I have yeah. so much on my mind right now. I can't do it. Um, And I just don't ever want people taking that the wrong way and thinking like I'm uppity or right. I don't follow through my words because I really do want coffee with everyone. (laughs) I know you well enough to just be like, hey, just let's do this. Let's knock it out whenever it is. Um, Uh, And just kind of. But yeah, very on a whim. You texted me this morning. I was like, come over. Yeah. But my friend Kate and I, we started a a group for women um, and it's going to be here in the studio, which I'm really excited because that's kind of what I saw for this whole space is women to just come together and find a safe place and so we're doing that on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. and it's not necessarily kid friendly because I have like sharp objects and stairs but adults of all ages if you're still like nursing you're more than welcome to bring your baby but it's open to all women and that's we're just kind of going to come together in community and talk about what we face and how we've dealt with it and talk about how good God is for all of us and what he's done in our lives and um, I don't know if we've come up on a name completely for it yet, but 
we didn't expect the group to grow as fast as it did. And it's, I think it's right over a hundred. No way. <laughs> and we just have a big group me message going on and I don't know half the women, but I'm going to know them. So, uh, I would hate um, to be in that text chain of the hundred right? people. Yeah. And so it's cool. Cause everyone's kind of just cool. like sharing a little bit of their story and background. Yeah. And then you can heart the message and it's like all these hearts on a message of someone just sharing their vulnerable moment. But I got my um, boyfriend to donate some drip coffee for all the women <laughs> on Saturday. So I'm really excited just to have that community aspect. That'd be really cool. See how that goes. Yeah. But show up at my doorstep on Saturday mornings or hit me up on Instagram. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, definitely check out Becca's stuff, uh, mostly on Instagram, P-R-A-W-D. UCT product product yeah which that is raw product yeah <laughs> awesome so yeah Beck thank you so much I mean like, I'm glad we finally got to do I this know. Um, how long have you been doing this because uh, oh, you've been asking me since you started just over a year yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah just over a year passed over just over a year because I think whenever I first was when I was like I had just finished my marathon yeah and you're like I need to get you on I need to get you on a podcast yeah. I was like eh. yeah no it's good now like I said we have so much more stories now yeah. and like you know you I'm sure you feel like you I guess your story's more worth more now I guess could have everything you've gone through in the last year mm-hmm. of going through it on your own and yeah. going full time and meeting all these people and you know having the connection to all this work you know and, and going out every not every day but going out and sitting in a coffee shop and just kind of drawing from people who are around you yeah that you know a couple of months later turns up on a you know huge canvas right <laughs> and they don't know it but and then it shows no up idea. in that coffee shop and yeah. they're sitting underneath it yeah so. so no this has been awesome um yeah definitely guys check out back and uh go buy some stuff she's got some awesome stuff here check out the instagram very colorful um something that you definitely need in your office in your house so thanks for listening and catch you next week cheers thank you for listening We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram. podcast was produced by Mike Hearn and Ian Weston, mixed by Alan Brown, with music by Chad Duro.